Welcome back to another episode of the Run Culture Podcast. Today, I was wrapped to chat to Dion Kenzie. Dion Kenzie competes in the 1500 for the men's T38 category. A category for those with minor coordination impairment. Dion explains the T38 category well on the podcast. Dion Kenzie was born with cerebral palsy, but also a determination, optimism, love of self-improvement, love of staying healthy, and a love of running. As you'll hear, Dion's optimism is infectious. When I first met Dion on a running high altitude training camp in 2015, he had just run 407 for the 1500. Fast track to 2021 and he recently became the first Australian with cerebral palsy to break the four minute barrier. He has since achieved this feat three times, running 355 at the end of March. Outside of running, Dion has a passion for personal growth, good food, he is a PT, health advocate, helps run tours at the IAS and is a buddying entrepreneur. Dion has some great advice for all runners to hear. He is sure one to watch for Tokyo. Let's all get behind him. Without further ado, here is Dion Kenzie. The Run Culture podcast has always been a passion project. It was created to share stories and experiences, to educate runners and to grow the sport. Ultimately, to show that running is cool. The podcast has provided us all opportunities to listen and learn from some interesting people in the running world. Welcome to the Run Culture podcast. My name is Dane Verway. I am an all-out running fan and an accredited running coach, a marathoner myself and an experienced physiotherapist that specialises in treating runners. So, before we get right into the show, if you have enjoyed any of the previous episodes of the Run Culture podcast and they have added value to your life and you want to support the podcast going into 2021, then we have a Patreon page. It's linked to in the show notes. A small monthly donation will go a heck of a way to keeping the show alive. By doing so, you too can also feel fulfilled that you are doing your bit to promote and grow the sport. Also, for those runners interested or in need, links to my online strength and conditioning course for runners or run therapy, my physiotherapy clinic, are also in the show notes. Alas, enough from me. Here's this week's interview. Uh, Welcome back to another episode of the Run Culture podcast. Today, I'm wrapped to have Dion Kenzie chatting to me today. Uh, Welcome, Dion. Oh, thanks for having me on, man. It's it's a pleasure. Dion, I'd love you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Uh, I've known you um, for, yeah, probably five or six years now, and I've had the pleasure to follow your running career and see how much you've improved. I'm pretty excited going into the Tokyo Paralympics with your current form. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'd love you to sort of just detail to the listeners um, yeah, who you are and, um, yeah, what makes you, you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, for anyone who doesn't know me, uh, obviously, uh, I'm an athlete with cerebral palsy. Uh, so, basically, uh, I compete in the Paralympics. Um, basically, uh, the category that I'm in, it's T38. So, um, the way they categorise that, basically, is that the, um, 
of the three stamps of cerebral palsy, uh, and the aid is basically uh, the degree of cerebral palsy. So uh, four would probably be for someone who's uh, wheelchair impaired, uh, and aid is probably the least affected. So for me, uh, if you saw me, you know, walking down the street, you probably wouldn't wouldn't pick up on my disability. Uh, but in terms of a 1500 metre race, you'd probably notice that towards the end of a race, I probably get a little bit more fatigued than probably the other athletes out there. You probably notice that I'd, uh, one of my arms starts to clench just a little bit more uh, and my stride, uh, my stride shortens a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, obviously, um, you know, I started running, oh, would have been about 12, 13 years ago now. So, um, you know, I've been on this journey for a long time and I was pretty fortunate, uh, yeah, you know, about eight, nine years ago that, you know, I found out about the power movement and, yeah, basically since then, that's that's when I've been competing um, in, in the uh, athletes with a disability. Nice, Dale. And who, who got you into the sport? Um, uh, yeah, and how did it how did it all start? How did running, <coughs> running all start? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I started when I was 12 years old. I just... Um, you know, I wanted to get fit for footy. I was playing a lot of um, just uh, Aussie rules sort of footy at the time. Uh, and I just started running laps around my, my oval and uh, just around my paddock at home just to get fit for that. And um, I really, I guess at the time, I really wanted to win my school cross country as well. So that's that's where it really all started. Um, in the first year I was running, I, um, yeah, I, I achieved my goal. I won my school cross country that... Um, and I was certainly playing a lot better football because of obviously all the training I was doing. But uh, I guess I, I was ready at that point to sort of take it to the next level. So uh, one of my mates at the time was coached by a guy called Mike Gunson. Um, who I thought I thought I'd reach out and give him a call and have a chat with him. And um, yeah, I was fortunate enough that he took me on. And um, yeah, obviously um, that's where it all started for me. I started training with Gunner. I would have been probably about 13 or 14 at the time. Um, and yeah, really, uh, he sort of, um, had a friend called Brian Rowe. I'm not sure if you know who Brian Rowe is. Um, so Brian's obviously, um, does all the rule, rule books and everything for I, IAAF. Um, but yeah, pretty, uh, pretty well known down here in Tassie, obviously. Um, but Brian's actually got cerebral palsy himself and he actually, um, he picked up on my disability, uh, one time when I was running around at athletics track, um, he mentioned it to Gunner and. Yeah, obviously, um, kind of thought one day that I hadn't actually mentioned to him that, uh, you know, I had cerebral palsy or anything like that. So uh, one day he actually brought it up and asked me if, um, if I actually knew that I may have an impairment there. Um, but obviously, yeah, I already knew. So, um, yeah, I guess the rest of his history sort of uh, told me about, obviously, what was going on in the Paralympics. Um, then I guess that, that would have been probably around 2012, I think. So um, from there, we, we went over to Melbourne and, and had the classification and everything like that. Um, and I think that year was obviously, uh, that would have been London 2012. So obviously, I was a little bit off the standard of making it that year. But uh, I was fortunate enough that I got to go to a camp at that Australian Institute of Sport that year. I was invited to a camp at the um, Australian Institute of Sport. Uh, it was a, a camp for basically... Uh, para-athletes, um, so at the time I think there was, you know, Jared Clifford there, uh, Sarah Walsh, uh, and a few other names that have also represented Australia as well. So uh, I think that was sort of my first taste of obviously, you know, that professional side of things, of, of being a professional athlete. Um, 
And yeah, over the next couple of years after that, I was obviously fortunate enough to um, make a couple of teams. I think the, the, the qualifier for Leon in 2013, I think it was about 4.15 for, for my class. So um, I, I think I managed to just scrape under that time. Um, so I made, made my first team in 2013. Uh, um, then... I guess over the years, yeah, I was pretty fortunate enough that I went all right in 2013. Um, then over the years, obviously, um, in 2015, I made Doha, uh, 2016, Rio in 2016, uh, yeah, London in 2017, then obviously um, the most recent one in 2019 in, back in Dubai. So um, I've been fortunate enough, obviously, to be on a few teams now and um, obviously gained a lot of experience over the years, um, obviously, Having Gunner as a coach um, for many years, uh, then the, obviously the last couple of years having Philo as well. So, yeah, it's it's been an awesome journey. How influential were your parents in those early days? Um, like I've heard you uh, uh, chat about um, the most influential um, people in your life, and and uh, you mentioned your parents. Um, they were big big factors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. Uh, I was actually diagnosed with cerebral palsy at the age of two. I actually, I was just under two. I think I was around 15 months. So um, obviously at the time, my mum or my dad didn't really know much about cerebral palsy or, or how it affected people. Um, I think the, the doctors said at the time that, you know, worst case, I'd probably end up in a wheelchair. Best case, I'd probably, you know, be able to do most things. So I think... Um, they basically said to mum at the time, it sort of comes down to how, how much work she can put in, uh, particularly in those earlier years. So I was, I was very fortunate that, um, you know, mum and dad really um, put in the work and, you know, it was a lot of, um, you know, a lot of daily sort of physiotherapy and, and speech therapy and uh, obviously a couple of operations just around my movement and, and everything like that as well. So... Um, yeah, I, was, I, I guess I've just been blessed to, you know, have fantastic parents as I, as I have. Um, and obviously uh, my role models later on as well, like uh, Mike Gunton, my running coach uh, for many years. Uh, and obviously in most recent years, Phil as well, has been awesome. So I've been so blessed to, yeah, have so many mentors and, and role models in my life. In 2017, uh, you uh, won the you know, World World uh, Para 1500-meter championships. And I was just watching the video replay uh, on YouTube just before this chat, and I urge everyone to, to watch it because, like, I felt like it really did epitomize that amazing team that you currently got around you after you celebrated um, with Philo and Jared Clifford and Michael Rogar in the crowd. Yeah. And you could see how delighted they all were with your performance, how wrapped you were, and the sheer emotion yeah. and, and how much effort and work you'd all put in together to get that result. Um, yeah, I thought, like, it, it's like, how, how can, can you hail back to, to that race and, um, and uh, how much that race sort of meant to you um, at the time? Yeah, obviously, you know, it meant a hell of a lot. Um, but I think it was really the years before really, uh, you know, made it so significant. Once middle at the World Championships, 
Uh, I think in 2014, I actually broke the world record for my category. So I think my mindset sort of heading into 2015 was, that you know, I was going to win. Um, and I think that's, that really held me back in 2015. I probably went into the world championships, probably not, uh, probably not in my best shape. Um, and the way I executed that race probably wasn't the, as well as what I should have actually um, in one of my races actually fell over with 15 metres to go. I was in a, in a medal winning position. Uh, and it fell over about, yeah, obviously, like I said, 50 metres to go. So um, it was pretty devastating. I think I ended up finishing seventh. So I think that was a huge learning curve. Um, and I think that really, um, you know, made me put in a lot more work and, and sort of not so much around every day-to-day training. I think I was, you know, doing that pretty well. It was more just obviously the little one percenters that I sort of executed well over the next couple of years and, uh, yeah, obviously going into Rio in 2016, I sort of did one better and one silver, um, then obviously executed with the with the win in 2017. So, um, yeah, I think that win really, you know, it was just a, a great, um, it really just signified all the hard work that I'd put in. And it was, it was great to share that memory with all the boys, like, um, you know, the culture that we have, um, you know, that Philo's developed. Uh, around our squad is awesome. It's just so positive and it's such a great environment to train in. I think, you know, everyone that comes and joins into our squad, it's sort of, it's infectious, you know. I think um, everyone just becomes really positive. Um, and yeah, it just, it's just a great environment to be in. So I'm really fortunate to obviously have those boys around me as well. Uh, and then in 2019 in Dubai, you got the bronze, bronze medal. And bef- before this, um, race was there a change in uh, the T thirty eight classification or um, um, am I right there or because um, it seemed like the field looked a bit stronger yeah. um, in twenty nineteen yeah absolutely uh, so after the world championships in twenty seventeen they actually changed the category so at the time cerebral palsy. Um, but in 20, I think it was around 2018, they changed it. So it was basically included athletes with um, any type of um, coordination impairment. So um, I guess that opened the way for a lot of athletes who may have um, acquired coordination impairments. Um, and, and yeah, so in 2018, the standard uh, uh, increased significantly. So um, one of my main competitors, Nate Reach from Canada, uh, he's an awesome guy. Uh, in 2018, he actually um, he actually ran. I think he ran 3:56, which obviously took my world record from about I think it was about 4:03. The time to, you know, 3:56 um, or so. Obviously, that was a big, big jump in obviously the standard that the sport, um, you know, it, the increase that it's gone to. So. Um, it, when the World Championships in 2019, you know, I, I knew that um, I knew that there was going to be a lot of other guys there that you know I've never heard of before um, that were going to be obviously right up there. So I think that's one of the um, you know one of the unique things about obviously para sport is that the, it's always evolving, it's always changing, and it's always getting better. So like you never really rest on your laurels knowing that you know you you know you're up there with the best because, you know, it only takes another two or three guys to enter the class and all of a sudden, you know, you could be sitting fifth or sixth, which is obviously not in the mix. So um, I think for me, 
yeah, that that was a real eye-opener. And I knew that, you know, um, I really just needed to uh, focus on just the little things that I can change over the next two, three years to really make a big difference and obviously give myself the best shot for Tokyo. And, th- and that sort of brings um, brings us to this this year, and you've had yep. like a, a an incredible march. Um, in March, uh, yeah, you broke four minutes for the fifteen hundred for the first time, which is such a big barrier uh, to break um, as a fifteen hundred meter runner. And and then you broke it again, so you went three fifty nine uh, on March the fifth. And then um, 3:58 on March the 11th, and then you came down to Victoria and ran a 3:55.09. Um, so yeah. like that that huge improvement. Because um, I remember, um, yeah, back in 2015, 16, when I did an altitude training camp with you, you were sort of more sitting around that 4:07, um, uh, 1500 um, time. So you've you're um yeah 12 seconds quicker than that um now going into tokyo um yeah you must be wrapped with your current form yeah obviously um pretty wrapped with where i am at the moment um it's been a long time working towards this point i think you know it would have been probably you know about seven six seven years ago back you know around that sort of doha period where i knew that i was probably uh you know, probably had the potential to run around that uh, four-minute mark. I think I was running around 403 at the time. So it's been about, yeah, six, seven years, uh, you know, for me to really break that barrier. It's been a long time coming. Uh, but I think, you know, um, I was probably capable of doing it maybe a couple of years ago. Um, I think over time, though, when you're so focused on times, maybe it does create a little bit of a mental barrier there. So I think, you know, it's just interesting seeing my time drop from, you know, 359 to 355 so rapidly when, <laughs> yeah, I think I had about, you know, seven or seven or eight races there this season that were between four minutes and 401. So, uh, yeah, it was just crazy to um, cross that line and, and run that 355. It was, um, yeah, obviously I, I was just, yeah, so thrilled with obviously that performance, but, and again, I know that there's also a little bit more there as well. So um, I'm looking forward to obviously, um, you know, continuing to focus on those little one percenters over the next six months because hopefully there's another two or three seconds there which will put me in good shape for Tokyo. Dion, what do you love most about um, the sport? Um, what do you love most about um you know, running and, and doing what you're doing currently. Um, why have you stuck at it over all these years? Um, yeah, what's your favourite part? And, uh, yeah, what do you enjoy most? I, I really just love the aspect of running itself, just the aspect of training and everything like that. I think, you know, last year was a real interesting period for, for everyone, I guess, but... um. For me, I, I guess it really just reconnected me to why I ran. I, I think that's really just the training aspect. I just love getting out there and obviously challenging myself to, you know, get myself to the next next level. Uh, and I think racing itself just sort of um, sort of gives you a, a sort of a benchmark and a, a way to measure um, how you're going. But at the end of the day, it's the every day-to-day training that I really just love. 
Um, and I think, you know, that's true for a lot of athletes as well. They just love obviously challenging themselves and, and, and seeing how far they can go with it and how good they can get. So um, I think for me, it's certainly something that I'll, I'll keep doing throughout my life. It's never something that will uh, leave me. I think if you're a runner, you're a runner and you'll, you'll continue to be a runner for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I'm the same. <laughs> um, what would you say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What would you say? Um, some of your <laughs> strengths are what? What? What are some things that um, have that you are really good at that um, you think have um, made you get to where you've got <laughs> to so far? Yeah, I think um, probably one of the main ones has been hard work. I, I certainly. I certainly know how to push myself in training sessions. Um, I'm sure Philo and, and Mike would, would say the same. Um, you know, I'm always keen just to, you know, give give every session my best shot. But I think over the last couple of years, it's sort of been, there's certainly been a few conversations around that as well. But, you know, um, maybe one of my greatest strengths can also be one of my greatest weaknesses too when it comes to some sessions you so yeah it's, it's been awesome learning curve there but yeah I think you know just putting into work every day uh, and just being persistent you know even even on those days where it might be cold and rainy outside and you, you know you might be a little bit run down and you can still get out there and run that you know that's a huge part in obviously being successful as every athlete would know um, like I was saying you know my, my journey started Back when I was 12, and at, at the time, you know, I probably wasn't, you know, much much good. Like, I think I finished, I think at the um, at the state level, I think the first year I ran, you know, I was, I was about 63rd. So I think that's a, that's probably a lot uh, to deter a lot of people from obviously persisting with that. Um, but I was just really dedicated. Even at the time, I thought, right, I, I know I can, I know I can make the state team. I knew, you know, the top five went at the time. So... I knew I had a lot of hard work to do to, to get there. Um, but, yeah, over the next sort of four years throughout that period of uh, early high school to late high school, I went from 63rd to 18th to 5th to 3rd. So, and, yeah, by the end of, by the end of high school, I was actually, um, actually um, yeah, finishing quite well in some of the races. So I think, yeah, obviously persistence plays a, um, a big part in it. Obviously, definitely when... You know, other people probably don't see the potential that you have, but you can see it in yourself and you're willing to persist with it. So I think that plays a large part in uh, any success you achieve in life. Um, with cerebral palsy, um, you mentioned that, um, yep. you know, you lack a little bit of that full explosiveness on your right side. Um, but then yep. also... Um, you, you are prone to sort of get like a little bit fatigued with, especially when you're like over, overheat and, and um, uh, like I, I find it interesting because how, and I think you nailed it. Like one of your biggest strengths is your ability to work hard and push yourself. Um, you got such great determination. Um, but then it, it's, um, I think it's really great self-awareness that you sort of mentioned that one of your biggest strengths can be, you know, one of your greatest weaknesses at time because it's hard as a runner and a lot of runners are like this, myself included, to to pull back when you should yeah. pull when you should pull back. Um, can you give us an example yeah. of perhaps um, a, a moment or or two where this was really clear in in your running career? 
Yeah, I, I could tell you actually many times where this has, has been part of my, you know, obviously my journey. Um, I think one in particular, oh, are you still there, Dan? Yeah, yeah, still there, mate. Yep. Yep, sorry. Um, do you want me to start that part again? Um, yeah, yeah, maybe. Sorry, I yeah. think it just cut, I think you just cut out. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to um, edit that bit. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, so obviously, you know, I've, there's been numerous occasions where that's been the case. Um, I think one was just recently, actually. It was sort of, uh, would have been late February. I'd ran an 800 PB uh, and I backed up and ran a 5K um, PB as well. So I was running really well. Um, but about a week after that, I actually, um, you know, I just started training quite bad. I was, I was feeling quite fatigued. Um, and I had a period of about three or four weeks there where I just, I just wasn't, um, you know, performing as well as what I was. Um, and I knew that, you know, heading into a 15, it, I, I was going to be well off that um, <laughs> sub four minute barrier. So I, you know, I was, I was basically smashing every session. I had a period of about two weeks there where I was, I was, you know, going really well. I was, I was smashing every session, but I think it sort of caught up with me a little bit and I was a bit fatigued. Um, so, during that period, I sort of just freshened up. It took about two or three weeks where I really just uh, freshened up. And that's actually when I come out and, and ran my sub four minutes. So um, I guess it just shows that, you know, if you're in shape, you, you can sort of have some time where, you know, if you are a little bit fatigued, you, if you take that downtime, you will get back to back to where you were. And um, obviously, in my case, it, yeah, it was what I needed to run the sub four minutes and Obviously, the two weeks after that as well, I was able to take another five seconds off. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's just one example of how it worked for me. Um, but I think, obviously, as a junior athlete, you're probably you're able to get through a lot more sessions. You, you're probably able to uh, work harder on every session and recover a lot quicker. But I think, you know, as you sort of age, you sort of get to 18, 19, you're, you're probably, you're not, your recovery period probably isn't as fast. So, yeah. Um, uh, but obviously your mileage is going up as well. So uh, in my case, I think when I was about 19, that's when I sort of, 18, 19, I was starting to get about 100K weeks. Um, so obviously my mileage had gone up significantly since I was a, a junior athlete. Um, <clears throat> and obviously with that too, you, if, you, if you are doing that, you can't really be smashing yourself three, four times a week uh, as well. So I think, uh, that sort of period there was a massive learning curve in obviously um, training and, um, you know, just how, you know, learning about threshold sessions and, and everything like that. So um, that, that sort of period there, sort of um, just sort of around that Doha sort of um, just before Rio period was a significant sort of learning curve for me. Nice. Um, no, that's that's great, um, great insight, uh, Dion, because it is um... – I reckon an aspect that a lot of runners struggle with because um, you get so determined to reach your goal and then you almost forget that you need to you need to make sure that you're balancing that that um, hard training with some recovery and time to adapt and uh, uh, yeah I wanted to move on to Tokyo and have you got any inside word on on how certain things are now on whether they're going to go ahead with the Paralympics? Yeah, um, obviously at this stage it seems pretty certain. It seems like um, everything will be going ahead. 
Um, they did just announce after the day that there will be no uh, international spectators. So I think that's a good sign that obviously they are planning to go ahead with it. Um, but obviously they, oh, yeah, obviously there won't be anyone from outside Australia, uh, anyone from Australia, like parents and everyone like that, being able to go. So um, yeah, it seems like um, it will go ahead. It's just sort of the protocols that they will put in place. So uh, I think, you know, if you're a spectator, you'll have to wear a mask the whole time we're in the stadium and, and no cheering or anything like that, only only clapping. So uh, I'm sure that will be an interesting experience for a lot of athletes um, uh, and uh, obviously spectators alike. Um, but obviously, too, the protocols going into Tokyo, um, it sounds like it sounds like we'll just fly in, uh, race uh, and compete, then... Um, and fly out again. So it seems pretty promising that it will go ahead. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure most athletes are just stoked that we get to go there and compete. Um, and uh, obviously, it won't be anything like um, what a games has been in the past. But I think just the ability to be able to go there and, and race is um, obviously so many athletes are so grateful for that. Nice. And um, given like your latest performances. Um... Uh, yeah, I did see that uh, 805k double that you did. Um, that was quite incredible. Um, to was that on the same day? Um, and and then I just wanted to um, ask, like, how how confident you are? Um, yeah, going into Tokyo to to try to compete with Nate Reach and um, and the Al- Algerian that was sort of up up um, sort of right with you um in 2019 um how how confident are you going into it yeah absolutely like yeah like you're saying at 815 uh, that 85k was a, a pretty promising um indicator of where i was at it was it was good to sort of knock a, knock out those two performances as well like i know i'd sort of been in that sub two minute 800 meter shape for a long time um and obviously 5k i think i've still got a little bit more there as well um so it was sort of just a good measure to see where I was at, obviously, over the shorter distance, um, but obviously over 5K as well. Uh, so to knock out those two performances on the same day, I was, I was pretty stoked with that. Um, but, yeah, obviously, um, you know, just touching base on, obviously, where my competitors are at, you know, I think they're, they're running around the similar times to the uh, 8 and 5K as well at the moment. So um, I think really over the next six months, it just comes down to, obviously, those one percenters and and you know what what i'm willing to do to obviously um put myself in the best shape on the day so um at the end of the day you know them guys are, are training really hard as well so i think um you know all you can do is keep focusing on yourself and and just doing uh putting in the miles and, and obviously getting the most out of every session and and recovering well and eating well and, and just doing everything else that's obviously kind of put you in uh in the best shape on the day in 2019, um, when I um, did did a Flagstaff trip with y- your squad again, so I could yeah. really see um, the difference in how you developed with your respect to recovery and how much you really focused on yeah. having enough sleep. Um, you really were um, meticulous with your food um, in terms of just getting food in straight away and... Um, and then uh, getting the uh, uh, the 
those boots that we they had on um, for recovery um, in the lounge room. Yeah. Um, you, you, you really ticked every box. Um, uh, like, have you had uh, moments um, where you've been in great shape, but but um, a, a, as a result of sort of like um, training too hard or cause of um, yeah, cerebral palsy, where you've just been like too tired to, uh, I suppose, race how you thought you should race? Yeah, um, that's a great question, actually, because I think it, you know, uh, I actually had a lot of that earlier this year, you know, I was seeing great shape, we'd sort of come off doing some great controls, you know, I, I think I had about five or six races there, there where I was going, uh, basically four, four zero zero or 401 in most time trials, um, but I sort of, you know, I was I wasn't really freshening up heaps of the races. We were just sort of ticking the box. So I was really confident that heading into January, uh, you know, we'd, we'd be able to sharpen up for some races and, you know, I'd well and truly get that sub four. But obviously heading into January, I sort of had a couple of races there where I just wasn't getting the performance that I'd like. Um, then I had a great period there where obviously I ran that 8, eight 5K together, which we just touched on. I uh, had an awesome performance there. And I think I had probably about three or four weeks there where I guess, um, you know, I was going really well in sessions and everything like that. Uh, and I think that just that accumulation of of, uh, of races and everything sort of caught up with me a bit. So I had a period there where I was actually a little bit fatigued and I just needed to recover. So I had about three or four weeks where I really just dropped my mileage back and, and didn't worry about racing or, or smashing myself in any sessions and, and after that period, that's where I, I actually ran through 59. So I think that's sort of an indicator to back yourself and know that it's there and really just freshen up and, and the time will come. So, yeah, it's, it's, yeah that's it's, a great example of what you just said. Yeah, it, it is a great example. Um, I've, I've um, noticed it in, in my own training. Um, like often, um, I think as runners, we can uh come so obsessed with um our recent training session the week of week of or the most recent week or two and and we feel like that's a, re, a resemblance of our current fitness um and, yeah. and and i think we forget about the the months and years and 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 weeks that we've done and um yeah sometimes uh if you're not training how you think you should train maybe that's an indication that uh, especially if you if it doesn't make sense and you've and you've um, just accumulated so much training, then may, maybe you do have to have an easy week or two, and 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 perhaps you'll run better, like um, like you just said, um, uh, because you'll suddenly um, be fresher and a able to use that fitness. So it sounds like um, yeah, Tokyo. There's there's a there's you and, and a few others that are that are re really level, and it's going to come down to I suppose who who can peak peak at the right time um uh on the day oh absolutely yeah uh, i think you know it, it certainly plays a huge part in it i like who's in the best shape sort of at the right time um but at the end of the day like yeah obviously uh what we're doing is um obviously going back into a conditioning phase now and, and we're really sharp enough again uh with about two or three months months to go to tokyo so I'm really confident in, obviously, 
uh, Philo's plan and, and what we've got going forward, I'm, I'm really excited. So, um, I mean, um, the way the other guys are training at the moment, I guess they sort of go into a bit of a race period now, um, being over in Canada and Algeria. So, um, I guess, guess for me, it's really just, you know, um, keep ticking the box. We've got some awesome, awesome training partners as well. So, uh, it will be really good to obviously set up some time trials and everything like that up in up in Queensland later in the year, um, and probably a few races in Cairns as well, heading into Tokyo. So um, that'll be pretty cool as well. Nice. And uh, Dion, you're you're a bit of an entrepreneur. Um, you do you mind um, filling listeners in on um, yeah a few of your ventures um, so far, um, whether it was your um, singlet line or your kombucha? Yeah, yeah. So I was actually manufacturing kombucha for two and a half years. Um, it was a really good learning curve for me. Um, I, I took a lot out of it. Uh, I stopped doing it, though. Uh, would have been probably midway through 2019, sort of. Uh, just during that period heading into World Championships. Um, yeah, like, I, I, I loved it uh, um, in every aspect of it, but I think Obviously, balancing it up with with running full time as well, it sort of it was taking away a little bit from my running. So I sort of made the call there to obviously focus more in on my running, leading into Tokyo, uh, which I'm really glad uh, that I have. It's really paid off over the last year. Obviously, you know, going from that four minutes to the three fifty five. So um, yeah, but entrepreneurship is obviously you know something I really want to keep pursuing. Um, I think I, the way I looked at it was obviously um, you know. I, my, my running career, I've probably got to them about 30, you know, or uh, sort of about mid 30. So it's pretty short, short time. Uh, and then I've got the rest of my life. I can really focus on, on giving back to others and, and obviously growing a business as well. So, um, yeah, at this point, just obviously pretty focused on running and, um, yeah, Tokyo 2021. Nice, mate. And, um, yeah, outside of, um, running, um, you you love listening to audio books and 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 podcasts and you enjoy reading. Um, uh, what are you currently uh, listening to at the moment? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I love listening to all different things. Um, I'm pretty uh, pretty open in, in what I listen to. Like uh, usually a lot of nonfiction sort of stuff. I like to listen to something that obviously um, uh, you know I'm going to learn something by. So. Uh, I listen to anything from obviously business-related books to uh, self-development to just everything about the world as well. So uh, at the moment, I've been listening to one. It's called um, The Selfish Gene by Richard Dawkins. So, yeah, it's a pretty interesting book just about, you know, how how humans evolve and, and function throughout time. So that's a pretty fascinating book that, um, yeah, I'd recommend people to read if they're into that stuff. Nice, nice. Um, and then, um, outside of running, what else, um, how, how else do you fill your day or is it pretty much, um, you know, uh, a couple of training sessions a day, recovery and, and a full-time gig? <clears throat> yeah. So at the moment, obviously, um, you know, we sort of train about twice a day. So usually if we have a session in the morning, um, sort of just use that couple of hours between sessions to freshen up. Um, 
and sort of use that downtime because obviously that downtime is, is really important that you're, you're recovering well for that next session. It means that obviously that next session that you're going to be able to get more out of yourself. Uh, so at times, you know, I'd like to probably do a little bit more throughout the day, but um, at the same time, you know, the more physically taxing it is on the body, the more that, you, you know, you're not going to get the best out of yourself in that next session. So I think over the last sort of year or two, I've really just learned, learned to like value that downtime and, and you know, it really affects so um, I can get the best out of the next session. Um, but, yeah, I, I still do. I still like to, you know, keep the brain active outside of um, running. So I still sort of, you know, like, you know, like you are saying, I read a lot. And um, I also do some work at the, at the fitness centre at AOS as well, just in the public part there. So sort of I do a bit of personal training and everything like that, which keeps me pretty active as well. Nice. And and then, Dion, in 10 years' time, because uh, you're 25 now, so say yep. say you're wrapping up your, your running career, what do you hope to have achieved uh, in your own um, running career, um, and, but then also just in life, um, life in general? Yeah, I think, uh, so first of all, in the running side of things, I think, you know, a Paralympic medal, obviously, a Paralympic gold medal uh, is really the pinnacle of, of obviously, at all. Like, that's that's what we're all trying to achieve, you know. Uh, a world championship gold medal is awesome, uh, and it means so much. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, a Paralympic gold medal would really um, really uh, top everything off. So, yeah, that, that would be a huge um, goal of mine, whether I get there or not. It's really obviously just about, you know, focusing on what I can do and, and obviously the process of um, executing races really well. Um, at the end of the day, you know, if someone can go out there and run 345, well, there's probably not heaps I can do to get there. But um, obviously it's just continuing to focus on, on my own performance and getting the best out of myself and, Hopefully that will result in a in a gold medal at the Paralympics. Um, but yeah, in every day to day life, you know, I sort of I do want to get back to the entrepreneurship side of things. Um, I'm really passionate about food and um, obviously health and fitness as well. So I guess my passion is just obviously uh, helping people live a live a more healthy life. So um, I guess for me, um, you know, the pinnacle for that would be obviously. Um, just helping people live a life of health and vitality and, and getting the best out of themselves. Um, I think as a pet, like I've actually been doing some PT stuff for oh, about five or six years now. Uh, and I think the most rewarding thing is actually seeing people, you know, uh, you know, uh, change their lifestyles all together. So um, that's, that's sort of an aspect I'd like to keep working on as well. Nice. Um, do you have um, any advice sort of off the top of your head to um, listeners that might be um, listening to this? So like generally um, the average listener is just a keen, keen runner. Um, that from your experiences uh, with running and life that um, you feel like um, uh, you've, something that you've taken away and learned a lot of and it's really meaningful to you, like, um, you know, do you have any advice, um, yeah, in regards to what you've experienced with your own running and, and, and you feel, um, yeah, happy to share? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, 
I think one of the main ones is, you know, don't underestimate what you can achieve over a long period of time. I think most of us, we sort of overestimate what we can do in probably two or three years, but we we probably really underestimate what we can do, you know, in a 10 or 15 year period. Uh, you know, when I was when I was 12 years old and I, I made the decision to put on my shoelaces, and I'd put on the shoes and start running laps around the the paddock, I, I didn't really realise, you know, that it, it'd lead um, to the life that I get to live today, obviously, you know, down able to go to the Paralympic Games and, and all the wonderful friends and, and memories that I've created along the way, you know, I I didn't really realise that that's what it would lead to back then, but, um, you know, and over sort of that, like I was saying, you know, that two, three years there, you know, not a lot changed, I, I probably started running better cross countries and everything like that, but wasn't until sort of you know five six seven years into the journey that uh, really all started clicking for me and um, obviously I am where I am today so yeah I think the, the big one is just yeah know that if you can sort of you, you know you create one or two just little changes in a habit and uh, over a long period of time it can compound into a big difference over time and, and create a significant change in your life so I think that's been a big one for me obviously um, just choosing to run every day and yeah now that that's awesome um advice dion um because that's something that um i've witnessed in my own running career and just um been around the sport for a while now is that how much um runners can improve um if they stick at it for a little bit longer than six months um uh yeah um improvement Yeah. yeah improvement can can really happen even when you think you're done like um uh, if you just stick at it, uh, what I was, uh, what I really admire about you, Dion, is um, uh, even when you have a session that you're a bit disappointed about, um, or, or um, for example, in 20, 2019 when you were really hoping to win, um, uh, back up your your world championship win in the fifteen hundred, you were interviewed immediately after the the race, but I felt like you were quite composed um and and delivered like a really nice nice message and response um uh and i remember cliffy messaging me or letting me know that he he really uh was uh, blown away by how you responded to you know coming third like third's still a great result but you really did have your heart set on winning it uh in in 2019 um yeah do you have any like what what are your tips of uh for um how to cope with uh disappointment and uh when things don't don't happen how you want it yeah i think at the end of the day it's just like you know obviously it's really important that you you know you want to get the result but at the end of the day it really doesn't matter i mean you know, at the end of the day, in a hundred years' time, we're all going to be dead, and <laughs> it doesn't really. Although, you know, you might do something significant, which is great, um, but you know, no one's really going to remember for a long time. So, um, just enjoy it, um, and really, you know, obviously, you want the best out of your performance, but the, at the end of the day, the world's kind of keeps spinning, and you know, you still kind of have a lot to live for. So. I think just realising that it's not the be-all, end-all in life if you, if you don't get the performance that you want, but obviously still at the same time still knowing how important it is and, and working towards it every day. So it's sort of, a, I guess, uh, it's 
sort of yeah you sort of have two mindsets around it obviously being so so important uh, but the, at the same time knowing that you know if you don't achieve it it's probably not going to be the end of the world anyway so um, I think that's been a big one for me no that's that's um yeah re- really good mindset and and I think um it's it a lot of people would um yeah gain gain a lot out of out of um hearing that so because um, I mean it doesn't like um, you're so optimistic, and so is Philo, and um, and uh, that optimism doesn't yeah. come as easy for some people. So it's um, yeah, great quality, great quality to have. Um, if you were to just like, I just wanted to hear like what what you've really learnt um, from three of your training um, squad. Um, uh, like what like um, when you look up to some of your teammates, like Jared Clifford or Michael Rogar. Yeah. Or, yeah. or or Philo, your coach, Philo yeah. Saunders, your coach. What what are uh, what are some things that you've learnt from from those three guys? Yeah, obviously, um, they those three guys have been such a big part of my life and have been awesome role models for me as well. So, um, you know, I think just seeing Rogues, Cliffy, and Philo, just the amount of hard work they put into their training um, and everything is just in itself is just awesome, like, it sets an awesome example for everyone. Um, but I think Philo in particular, obviously, um, just his ability to, you know, like you were saying, just be optimistic even when you're, even when you're not going as well as, as what you'd like, just have, you know, that that faith in yourself to know that over time it will, the results will come. Um, you know, he's really just, uh, he's really just got this ability to, um, you know, create this culture in our squad where everyone just wants the best for each other and, and we really, um, you know, we really just, you know, stay positive towards obviously getting the best out of ourselves and, and knowing that regardless of what you've ran, it, you know, if you have a bad result, you just move on and uh, a better result will come. You've just got to stay patient. Um, but, yeah, obviously, um, Cliffy and Rogues as well, you, you know, you see Rogues training all the time and, He'll always keep pushing himself, even when he's sore. Um, yeah. he'll, you know, he'll, he'll be he'll be up for five a.m. session, and 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 you know he'll be at work two hours later. So, I think just his level of dedication and commitment is, you know, it's just it's so uh, it sets a great example for everyone. I think uh, everyone's just so inspired to see, you know, how how hard he pushes himself uh, yeah. every day. Uh, obviously, training for a marathon it, it, it requires heaps of Heaps of miles as well, so he certainly puts in the work there. Um, he sets a fantastic um, example for the rest of the squad, uh, and obviously Cliffy too. Um, you know, he's he's one of my best mates, and just the way he approaches. Not only is he a great athlete, he's also um, a great human being as well. So um, just his ability to obviously, um, you know, race. I, I think I saw one of his races uh, when he was a junior. Um, he actually won the junior race, and just as I think he was only you know 16, 17 at the time, but the way he executed that race was you know something you'd expect from someone sort of you know that's been in the sport for a very long time. So uh, not yeah, like just his ability to obviously um, train and everything like that, but um, obviously his ability uh, to inspire so many others to to do the same. I think that's one one great thing I get from Cliffy as well. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that that's a great summary of those three characters. Um, yeah, I reckon, yeah, Cliffy definitely mature beyond his years, um, whether it's, um, yeah, in the race format or even just in life. Like, um, he, he um, yeah. yeah, seems to exude a, a certain amount of maturity that you just, yeah, like, wouldn't expect from um, someone his age. Um, so, uh, but, yeah. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, it's a... Yeah, no, that, that that's great. I, I I enjoyed listening to to that. <laughs> um, yeah, Dion, I, I don't know if you've got anything else to add, but um, I think that's a great um, a great uh, chat, and a lot of listeners will know a bit more about you going in towards Tokyo now, and um, and that's that's great because I think you're one to watch, and um, yeah, I, I've certainly enjoyed watching your career. Um, yeah, over the last five or six years, and. And you're you're a great person, um, but yeah, if um, yeah, there's anything else you wanted to add, yeah, go ahead. And 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 then also, if where can um, listeners uh, reach out to you or or follow you um, on social media? Oh yeah, sure. Um, so basically, yeah, my name's Dion Kensley. So if you type that into social media, you should be able to find me. It's <laughs> obviously that's pretty straightforward. Um, but yeah, I guess if there's any other advice really just stay persistent and know that if you do have those periods where um you know you're not getting the results that you want that you know if you can stay persistent with it they they will come over time you just you just got to stay with it and and keep putting in the hard work and it will show it's just just a matter of time i think obviously that's pretty common sense advice but i i think at times you know as runners we sort of we, we can get a little bit impatient with ourselves and we just want to keep training harder and we sort of get in the mindset that the the harder we train, the you know, the the more of a results will show. But sometimes it's not the case. Sometimes you just gotta, uh, you know, once you've done the hard work, you've just gotta back yourself and know that if you if you can freshen up for a race or a performance, that that the results will probably um probably come from that more so than and continuing to to work yourself into the ground. Nah, well said, and um, definitely something that. Um, yeah, I, I've learned um, just from being in the sport for a while, and 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 you're, you've you've seen it um, with your career progression as well. Um, so just um, I guess you're speaking from experience. Um, so yeah, thank thanks so much, Dion. Yeah. And, um, yeah, really enjoyed having the chat. Oh, thanks for having me on, Dane. It's a, yeah, it's been a pleasure, and um, yeah, look forward to catching up with you soon. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's been too long. <laughs>